All right. The, you know, the reason I uh, started my website, ELACommonCoreLessonPlans.com, was I could help teachers. I found something I was good at, which is writing lesson plans. And I found a way that I could share that with others. Podcast, I kind of like even more because it gives me an opportunity to help teachers, not just in the classroom, but also out of the classroom. Hey, this is Trent Lorcher, and welcome to the Teaching ELA Podcast, where I help ELA teachers thrive in and out of the classroom. In this podcast, I discuss real teaching for real classrooms, whether it's a specific piece of literature, teaching strategy, or life strategy. I talk about things ELA teachers need. I promise that with each podcast episode, you'll have something you can use today. Because if we're not happy out of the classroom, we're not going to be very good in the classroom. So I'm going to talk about something that I think teachers struggle with. I think the uh, most professionals struggle with this, and that's uh, health. I'm going to be launching a weight loss for teachers course coming over sometime around the uh, the first of the year. And I figure if, if it's something you're interested in, I thought I would give you a head start I know it's only October, but there's uh, certain reasons people fail at things like weight loss. I'm just going to talk a little bit about weight loss for teachers right now. It doesn't take a psychologist to tell you or to figure out that when it comes to achieving weight loss goals that or any goal, most people quit. Most people quit before they're even halfway through. Do you know the most common quit day is actually day two? All the excitement's worn off. But at some point, those who attempt to lose weight or or make self-improvement quit. They didn't. There wouldn't be such a weight loss epidemic in our country, or it's not weight loss epidemic, an overweight epidemic in our country. So my goal is with anything, I want to set you up for success long-term. And that's the goal of everything I do at the Teaching ELA podcast is to help teachers with long-term success. Now, I feel I'm qualified to talk about about this subject. Hey, I'm a teacher, so I understand these stress. I understand these stressful times of the school year. You have the beginning of the school year, and then of course you have the middle of the school year, and you have the end of the school year. So the beginning, middle, and end stressful. If you're like me, and you are in some degrees, you're an ELA teacher for one. Usually, what happens? I'm I come into the new school year feeling okay. Most summers, I. Uh, okay with my health. And then and then the beginning of the school year starts and it's very stressful. I've talked about this in past podcasts. I used to, and I emphasize used to, which is why I feel I'm qualified to address this issue. I didn't this year, but I used to address the stress with food. We call that stress eating. We kind of laugh. We kind of chuckle in public, but then we get alone and we beat ourselves up because we know we just ate three or four dozen candy bars during our planning period because we were stressed out or we get home and we're so tired. What's the first thing you do when you get home? I used to head to the fridge, transition, stress, tiredness. And then once the beginning of the year stress comes down, you got Halloween. Of course, those of you with children know that means Halloween candy. And even if you don't have children, your students, our children, they bring you candy and that sends you off on a, maybe I'm just speaking for myself. Maybe this doesn't happen to anyone else. And then you have the November comes, you have Thanksgiving coming up. And then between Thanksgiving and Christmas, oh my goodness, are you kidding me? That's like that's like food free for all. Uh, teacher's lounge, kids bringing in stuff, my wife making me stuff, me making myself stuff, all those pretty Christmas candies at the grocery store. And what would happen in the past is on New Year's Day, I'd wake up having gained 20 pounds or be kind, sometimes more. None of my clothes were fitting. I'd feel like, well, I'd feel like someone who had just eaten like garbage for the past few months. So I just start the, the beginning of the year weight loss plan. 
and it would work. First couple of weeks, it would work. Sometimes even into a month. Sometimes we do these, we called it the Porky Pig Contest at one school I was at. And it was uh, very successful. Everyone had to enter, pay a certain amount of money to lose a certain amount of weight. And it usually involved me waiting to the last week and then not eating for three days just so I could win, win, the, win the bet. But there was no long-term success. And the reason there was no long-term success is because I had not established healthy eating habits. I had not established ways to deal with stress that were beneficial to me. So what I'm going to talk about on this podcast is habits. Now, I've talked about habits in the past. I talked about the habits we have during planning period, the habits I have when I arrive at school. But I'm going to, since this podcast is about weight loss, and and I'm kind of thinking, is this really something listeners of the Teaching ELA podcast want? And I really don't know the answer to that question. But I know if I were an ELA teacher and someone came across with a podcast on weight loss habits, I'd listen. So I thought, what the heck? And if it's not your thing, don't worry. On Monday, we'll have some more lesson plan podcast. So if you're going to, and I, if you're going to succeed at weight loss or any positive life change, you're going to need to establish habits that serve you. And what do I mean by habits? Habits are the things we do automatically without giving it too much thought. So I'm going to suggest a few habits you might want to establish between now and then between the time you really want to get serious about your health. These habits will increase your chances of success if you want to lose weight. The first habit needs to be movement. You need to get in the habit of moving. Now, the prevailing wisdom as far as movement goes is to aim for about 10,000 steps, and I think that's a good goal. If you don't currently exercise regularly, don't feel you need to do some crazy workout routine. You don't need to go Tony Horton's P90X or or Sean T. You guys know Sean T, Tony Horton, maybe not. That could could be a guy thing. Anyhow, I, I did those. They're fun. But you don't need to do that. Just start walking more. It's that simple. There are uh, low-cost step tracking watches as well as smartphone apps that will help you track steps. Again, I want to stress one thing here. Weight loss success does not mean you have to exercise. I know it sounds kind of, what? What are you talking about? The key to weight loss is not exercise. Now, I exercise six days a week. I've always exercised five or six days a week. Well, not always. For the last 25 years. And that didn't always lead to weight loss. It led to me feeling better, being stronger, that sort of stuff. So it certainly could magnify your weight loss efforts. But don't confuse, I'm going to exercise a whole bunch and then lose weight, because that's not how it works. What's going to lead to weight loss is eating smart, and movement can be an effective way to leverage healthy eating habits. Now, if you already exercise regularly, bravo, keep doing it. So eating healthy. As a teacher, I mean, I think it's probably easier to eat healthy in many ways as a teacher because we control our schedule. We can, you know, put food in our desks, for example. Now, the question is, what food are you putting in there? So establish, but we'll get to food in a second. But movement is a key. It'll obviously burn some calories, but it's not about burning. The movement isn't about burning calories. It's about, movement is about getting your mind right, feeling good, and not being sedentary. Food tracking is habit number two. Those who track what they eat are more likely to succeed at weight loss. I'm going to be honest with you. I hate tracking food to the point where I've not eaten it because I didn't feel like logging it, which turns out to be one benefit of tracking it. You get so sick of tracking food, you're like, I'm not going to eat this because I don't want to track it. I don't want to list it. Now that I've consistently tracked my food for almost years, it's not that big of a deal anymore. So I recommend to get, get my fitness pal on your smartphone, or if you don't have a smartphone, like what is this, 1972, you can also track it on your computer. I'm sure there's other apps that'll do the same thing as well. The thing about tracking food is you're making yourself aware, being aware of what you're doing is half the battle. Because there's certain times, the, the reason, if you are overweight, the reason is because you're eating too much. 
when I was overweight is because I ate too much. If there is such a thing as overweight, but that's another mental construct. If you weigh more than you would like, it's because you're eating too much. And one way to not eat so much is to track what we eat. Because some, I don't know about you, I, I used to be a, I still am a fog eater. I'm just in a fog. I'm walking around eating. There's something on the counter. I eat it. There is a granola bar in my teacher desk. I pull it out and eat it. Whether I'm hungry or not, it doesn't matter. I'm preparing dinner. I pick it food. I eat it. I walk by the fridge. I open it up, grab something. And I noticed that when I started tracking that, I'm like, gee, if I just stopped fog eating, I would reduce my caloric intake substantially. As a teacher, do we fog eat when we go by the teacher's lounge and there's a box of donuts there? I know I used to do that. I no longer go to the teacher's lounge for many reasons, that being one of them. So movement, food tracking, sleep. That's the third one. Your body functions more efficiently and your mind functions more efficiently when you get enough rest. Now, how much sleep do you need? I'm not a doctor. I'm just going to say probably more than you're getting. Chances are you're up and getting ready for work much sooner than most people. And since your boss isn't going to, and since your principal isn't going to change the entire school schedule to accommodate your weight loss goal, you need to get to bed sooner. I know. It's like, what? I'm going to have to turn off the game before it's over? I guess so. But sleep will make a huge difference in how you function. Now I want to talk about the most important. If you're struggling to lose weight, and if there's nothing else you get from this podcast episode or any other podcast episode I've ever created, is this one. Meal planning. Hold on, was that groaning I heard? Listen, hear me out. The number one habit, the number one habit, uh, let me backtrack. If you're a regular listener, you, you might be aware of my weight loss success. It's been almost a year now. A couple months, it'll be a year. Uh, it's been about almost 40 pounds. And it's been uh, what I would consider, honestly, I mean, there, there's a couple of times that I have to call the river of misery. But for the most part, it's been stress-free. It's been pain-free for the most part. I mean, it's been pretty easy. And what do I attribute that to? The number one habit I, I, I improved that helped me lose weight and maintain current weight is meal planning. Now, when I say meal planning, don't get all huffly-puffly on me here. I don't mean some hieroglyphic-like chart with every meal from now until 2032 on a calendar with listed ingredients. For me, it simply means that before I go to bed, I make my lunch for the next day. That's my meal plan strategy. Now it's become a habit. So by just like you would plan a lesson, you know, your your fifth period American Lit class is going to go a lot better if you have a lesson planned. Otherwise, you're just winging it. It's a lot easier when you're driving to school and you have a good plan written. It's a lot less stressful than showing up and just winging it. Same thing goes in your personal life with your lunch. If you have it planned out the night before, all made, it's easy. It's a breeze. If you wake up in the morning, if you don't have your lunch plan, it's going to be a free-for-all. Now, I want to expand upon this idea a little bit. And it's uh, something we've talked about before. It's the difference between being an emotional child and an emotional adult. You see the kids in your classroom. Some are stuck in emotional childhood. Well, probably all of them are because they're still children. The littlest thing sets them off. They're always living for the now. I notice that about teenagers a lot. They're more concerned about now than they are about the future. It's emotional childhood. Meal planning takes you into emotional adulthood. The night before, you are in emotional adulthood. You're thinking with that part of your brain that's logical, that thinks ahead, and you're planning things out. You know what's good for your long term. So when we're using the part of our brain that reasons and plans and knows what's best for us, we are in emotional adulthood. Right now, as you listen to this, you are probably in emotional adulthood. You are making rational decisions based on the big picture of your life. In the evening, as you're cleaning up after dinner or getting ready for bed, you are likely in a state of emotional adulthood. 
But if you've established the habit of preparing your meals the day before, then it doesn't matter if you're an emotional adulthood or not, you're just going to do it. You know that a salad with a hard-boiled egg and other delicious and healthy salad toppings for lunch tomorrow would benefit you and your quest for weight loss. Last night, for example, threw my lunch together, salad, hard-boiled egg, cottage cheese, some broccoli in an app. That was a great line. I just ate it. It was delicious. Last night, I was in emotional adulthood. But what if I wouldn't have brought that? Well, there's plenty of places, there's plenty of things to eat here that wouldn't be unhealthy. Anyhow, emotional adulthood is going to benefit you. Now let's fast forward to lunchtime tomorrow. You're tired. You're a little stressed out because you have a pile of papers to grade. You suspect your administrator might come by for a quick observation tomorrow, first period, and your daughter has dance practice at 5.30. This is when the stressed out emotional child comes out. At least it does not me. This is when the vending machine slash fast food restaurant down the street slash donuts in the teacher's lounge sound really good. It's the emotional child that tells you one little bit won't hurt, that you can start tomorrow, that it's not going to work anyhow, that you deserve a little treat. Now, luckily, you exercised emotional adulthood the night before and brought a tasty and healthy meal with you. And although the fast food hamburger and donut combo meal is tempting, you know that the healthy and tasty lunch you brought will give you exactly what you need to grade those papers, pair those lessons, and have enough energy to get your daughter to dance practice only a few minutes late this week. By the way, this struggle gets easier and easier the more consistently you follow through on emotional adulthood. In fact, overcoming these obstacles, that is eating what you said you were going to eat the night before, increases your self-confidence, we just talked about that last week, and your ability to succeed in the future. Congratulations. Now again, this is the types of things we're going to discuss in uh, weight loss class. My wife and I are, are putting together a weight loss class coming up around the start of the year. My wife is a certified life coach. She has a master's degree in counseling. She has a bachelor's degree in dietetics. She can help you overcome, she and I can help you overcome the common pitfalls associated with goal achievement. So I take her expertise as a counselor, as a dietitian, and apply my insight of being a teacher. I know the struggles teachers have because I've been one for the last two decades. And I also understand what, it, what it's like to feel. I understand what it's like to feel stressed out, want to eat. So I'm someone who has overcome that. So I know what it takes to overcome the traps that are in our way when it comes to staying healthy. So let's just uh, close this out. A few takeaways here. We discussed the power of habits. Three habits you could establish to make achieving your weight loss goal uh, more likely to achieve our movement, food tracking, and meal preparation. I want to fo- emphasize meal preparation again. I'm telling you, it's, it's, the, it's the secret to success here. Just preparing the night before. On Monday, we'll be back with another fantastic Teaching ELA Common Core lesson plan. What are we doing? Lesson plan podcast episode. What, what's the name of this podcast? The Teaching ELA Podcast with a Teaching ELA lesson plan. You know what? Maybe I need to get something to eat right now. I'll do better next time. Thanks for listening to the Teaching ELA Podcast. For more teacher-ready, student-ready lesson plans, head on over to ELACommonCoreLessonPlans.com. That's ELACommonCoreLessonPlans.com, where we have hundreds of lesson plans and handouts that are ready to use right now. And as always, if this podcast has helped you thrive in the classroom, we'd appreciate a like and a review. 